This is ESPN Crick Info. Bowl at Boyks. Hello there and welcome to Bowl at Boyks on ESPN Crick Info. A brand new episode on a brand new day and joining us from England is Jeffrey Boycott as usual who's probably taking some free time before the Ashes, is it? Um, yes and no. No commentating but lots of uh, charity work. Uh, I'm going off to do Boyks and Aggers which is a, a show with Jonathan Agnew on BBC Radio. We do shows in theatres. About 1,500 people, so doing that, uh, try and get a game of golfing when I can, and uh, all sorts of things, but it's busy, yeah, and then next week it's Henley on Thames, the boating, and then Wimbledon, so I'm looking forward to it, just got a couple of weeks away from cricket. Can't complain about that, I guess. No, well, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> it's been a busy schedule for cricket as well, Bangladesh versus India. Uh, ODI series and of course New Zealand and England. Let's take some questions on those then. The first was sent by Idris from the UAE who says, Mr. Boycott, Bangladesh have yet again proven their presence at world stage by comprehensively defeating India. I believe the, inter- the internal belief in Bangladesh began in the 2006 Tri-Series where they beat Australia and then beat India in the World Cup next year. What according to you are the main stepping stones and nurturing of not just cricket, but also the belief that has led Bangladesh to this success. Is this the miracle story cricket was waiting for to see the rise of a nation that not long ago were considered minnows at world stage? And can this story be a template for other nations to follow? Well, there's a lot of questions there. Um, Well, they're not quite minnows anymore. They've had uh, one or two good performances, but I think you are getting carried away a little bit. Beating India occasionally and Pakistan or Sri Lanka doesn't send waves through the cricket world. Sorry, I don't want to put a damper on your excitement for Bangladesh. But nearly all Bangladesh's good performances are at home in Bangladesh. That doesn't make the world of cricket sit up until you go to Australia or South Africa and beat them in their countries or even New Zealand. That would be a huge step. And we will all take notice. I accept that one of the very best performances was beating England in Adelaide in the World Cup. I was there. Bangladesh was superb. I enjoyed the cricket, and it's the best I've seen from them. But Bangladesh can't live on just an occasional or odd one-day performance win. They need to go abroad and start winning test matches against the big boys. As I've said, Australia, South Africa, New Zealand, England have all got much better test sides than them in their own countries. You've got to go and do that a bit. Cricket lovers want Bangladesh to succeed. No doubt about that. Don't be under any illusions that we're all anti-Bangladesh. We aren't. But you've got to accept But lots and lots of ICC money has been poured into Bangladesh cricket for many years now. And quite honestly, we, the cricketing nations of the world, we need to see more from them. Bangladesh have a huge cricket-mad population, and I realize it takes time to be able to match the big countries. It's always happened like that. It took time for West Indies, New Zealand, Pakistan after partition, even India were not able to match England and Australia on equal terms in the early days. Now they are. But none of these countries, remember, received the financial help or clout that Bangladesh have had 
over the years. They've had loads of money. These countries had to make it a lot on their own. There wasn't the money around. There wasn't the television revenue for ICC, whoever ran world cricket, to pour in to India, Pakistan, New Zealand, West Indies when they were in their infancy. And Sri Lanka, let me tell you. I've forgotten them, and I shouldn't, because they've been wonderful. They've won World Cup. But, so, I want you to enjoy their success, but I don't think you need to get carried away. You need to keep it in perspective, because more is required. An occasion one day is lovely, but we need more. Interesting one there. And let's talk about the other ODI series, England versus New Zealand, which England won. And uh, Daniel Aloysius, if that's the pronunciation from Sri Lanka, says England have somehow found the attacking approach with the bat. But what should they do to get better with the ball? Good question, Daniel. Um, the batting of England showed an alarming opposite freshness and aliveness since the World Cup. Our team seemed to play with fear in an old-fashioned way in the World Cup. Now, some young kids have been put in and said, go and enjoy yourself. Go and hit the damn ball like everybody else does. And the batting has blossomed. Yes, there's some edges to be rounded off there, but let's just enjoy the fact that it was totally different and refreshing and enjoyable and excited people after how bad. We were bad, bad, bad in the World Cup. Really, never seen anything as bad by England. Bowling, you're right. The quality and the adventure in the England batting and the fact that we won the series 3-2, some exciting cricket played by both teams, it kind of covered up a little bit that England's bowling mm, doesn't look so clever. And particularly at the death, we don't seem to have any specialist death bowlers. The Yorker... None of our bowlers seem to use it well. When they try it, they either uh, miss the length that they're aiming, which is the batting crease line. They seem to bowl foolish half volleys that get walloped. And they don't have quality deceptive slower balls. In fact, they're mostly non-existent. When they, our guys try to bowl Yorkers, they're full tosses or length balls that get smacked, not in the block hole. And when they bowl slower balls, it's always this off-spinner, off-cutter. To me, the slower ball is about disguising it and defeating the batsman. And so more work needs to be done so that you've got a similar action and a similar hand action. Not the fingers rolling over as an off-spinner. All the right-handers see that and just slug it. They'll wait for it and slug it. These days, they're very clever. It's the disguise is the key. I notice also that none of our bowlers hardly ever try to bowl a leg spinner, back of the hand. It's, and again, you've got to try it, but you've got to learn to drop it where you want it. It's not just bowling it. You've got to deceive the batsman with your action. And I think we, England would be wise to think about who is going to be the death bowlers. It needs specialists with real nerve. Because, let me tell you, there's no fun in bowling in one-day cricket anymore. I mean, with the fielding restrictions and the smaller boundaries, the ropes are brought in, the big bats, people are whacking it for six all over the place. So, when you get to the death and then you've only got so many fielders out to protect, well, it, it's hopeless. Four fielders is very difficult. Um, so, you do need nerve. 
And if the team hasn't got a genuine fast bowler, then accuracy, surprise, a strong nerve are absolutely vital. And it is very difficult. I accept that. But whatever bowling or whoever bowls, our ground fielding and catching needs to improve. Doesn't matter who bowls at the death or anywhere. Um, we were pretty ordinary in the ground fielding. And the catching wasn't special. Too many dropped catchers, decent chances, not, not the very hard, difficult, just decent, straightforward in international cricket. And if you notice, throwing to hit the stumps for run-out chances, England hardly ever make direct hits. I can remember someone like Ricky Ponting playing. He hardly ever missed feeling at cover a mid-wicket. If he had a chance of throwing at the stumps, he just knocked them over. And I think that's the area where we could improve, and that would help the bowlers because they're under so much pressure. But this is not a criticism. It was refreshing and enjoyable to see England play better. I wouldn't have minded even if we'd have lost. I'm thrilled we won for the youngsters. But just to play in a different way, refreshing, without fear is the key, and go in there and enjoy it and hit the ball as one-day cricket is totally different from when I played, that was really enjoyable, and I think it was good for the country, for our supporters. But the two ODI series are behind us now and what's coming up is the Ashes. So let's take a few questions on that. Harsh from Canada sent this question. He says, I wanted to know who do you have your money on for the Ashes? Who do you think are favourites? I think the brand of cricket England have been playing in the recent ODI series has probably made people think again if England can beat Australia even though the test side is different. Who do you have confidence in to be the difference maker in the series? And finally, if England were to lose the series, whether badly or being competitive, do you think that will end Cook's captaincy or will Strauss, the director, still pick him? Wow, there's a lot of questions there. Um, I think the Australian bowling is stronger. It's better than England's. The Australian batting for me is not special, but neither is England's bowling. So it depends so much on Anderson and Broad does the England bowling. England's batting has been tested against pace in Australia and failed. And the big question is, can it succeed in England on a bit slower pitches where the England batsmen should know the surfaces, they'll feel comfortable, feel good factor will be there in front of a home crowd. So that will all help. But even accepting all that, for me, England will need to play out of their skins uh, to beat Australia, but... In sport, you know, anything is possible. Yeah, in a two-horse race, one has to come last, and you don't know what's going to happen for sure. England's one-day cricket will have a little bit of a plus for England, but I don't think you should get carried away that England can play the same way in test matches against better, much better bowlers, with no limitations on the bowlers or fielders. I think some of the England players who played in the ODI series will take confidence from doing well personally, and from a team series win. But when it comes to, to shove or push, you've got to go for Australia because their, their strength in bowling, their strength in depth is better than England's. And there's always this question mark against England's batsmen after Australia. And when it comes to Cook, Strauss is a strong-minded individual, which is good. He likes Morgan and Cook as captain. 
he made them captain even before he appointed a coach, so the coach had no say. Whoever the coach was going to be, he was going to have no say in the captaincy of England one day in test. I thought that was a... Mm, well, I thought he might have waited a bit and just uh, made the uh, test match, the first two tests, and waited to see what the new coach said. But anyhow, I personally feel that the coach or manager should have a, a say, fairly big say, in the captain, because he stays in the dressing room, he's got to assess the players, he's got to assess how the captain handles players. If England are really bad, poor, or get beaten comfortably, then Miss Cook's mistakes will be multiplied. You know, they'll, they'll create huge pressure for him in the media, because they'll be all over it. And I'm not sure who makes the decisions on the captain of England. Uh, maybe someone in the media could ask, is it going to be Strauss? Is it going to be Trevor Bayliss? Or is it going to be the selectors? Because at the moment, the selectors seem to have been kind of sidelined. Strauss is making all the judgments on who's coach and who's going to be captain. And it's a ticklish one. I, for me, think they just hope that England would do well and Cook will do well as captain. I think he'd do, he'd do good as a batsman because he's a very fine player. And I think that they're not thinking any further because they're just crossing the fingers and crossing the toes as well and, and man the legs and just hoping that everything turns out all right because they don't know what to do. If Cook has a poor captaincy series, I don't think they know what to do, to be honest. Hmm. And if you had to pick one player who could be the difference maker in the series from either sides? Mitchell start. That actually leads us to the fourth question sent by Murtaza Kasmi, who says, which Aussie combination would you pick for the first Ashes test from these names? Ryan Harris, Mitchell Johnson, Mitchell Stark and Josh Hazelwood. I'd pick Johnson, Stark and Harris. With the proviso that Harris is fully fit after his knee operation. And also that he's had some cricket, bowling in matches, and that he looks okay. Now, I can't see that, can I? Apparently he was playing in a two-day match down in Hampshire or the Isle of Wight, just as an island just off the coast of Hampshire. But look, I don't know how much cricket he's played in Australia before he came here. If he's bowling well, and this is the if, I don't know. If he's bowling well, he's a superb fast-medium bowler. Skids it on a bit quicker and nippier than he looks. And he had a superb series in England, and, uh, well, in Australia and in England. He's had superb series. Uh, as he's got this knee injury, it may swell up from time to time, which doesn't mean he's injured, but from the operation. He may have to be rested and miss an odd test, not necessarily play all five, but I would definitely be looking to play him in three. I think he's a superb bowler. Johnson? There are bound to be some emotional scars for some of the England uh, players after the 5 0 whitewash two years ago. I don't think he'll get the same bounce of England pitches as he did in Australia. Uh, that alarming, disorientating, awkward lift won't be quite as difficult here, or his hurry up off the pitch, but there will be enough for him to be a huge factor. And pace through the air is pace through the air. We all know, or if you know your cricket, every ball that's ever been bowled from any bowler anywhere slows up when it hits the deck. But how much it slows up 
different bowlers. If it's really fast through the air, as Johnson is, then it won't lose too much when it hits the deck and gets to the batsman. And I think there'll be some emotional scars there. So if he hits his straps, I think he'll still be a factor. And Stark, for me, well, he's got pace, real pace. He's up 90 mile an hour plus. He swings it. He's got that awkward angle of left arm over, or he can bowl around the wicket and swing it. He will be a real handful. If he stays fit, I can't see any way he won't get some wickets. He can pitch it up and swing it, or he can bowl short and be nasty. We had him at Yorkshire in 2013. He played in our 2020. We got to the final, lost to Hampshire because he had to go back for a camp in Australia. They could see how good he was. He was superb. He can get early wickets with the new ball, or he can polish off the tail, and that's a big factor. England have been very poor at polishing off the tail. Let me tell you, as an opening batsman, if your quick bowlers can polish off 9-10 jack, and you're getting your mind ready for batting, and you're not hanging around, and you get into the dressing room padded up quickly because they've been polished off of the opposition tail, it's a wonderful feeling. Mentally, you're up for it. It's, uh, it creates despondency in the opposition. I just think he's a huge factor. So you're leaving out Josh Hazelwood. Is that on reputation or something to do with the Cardiff pitch? Because if you see his Nothing form... Nothing at all like that. Josh Hazelwood is a good bowler. And if he plays instead of uh, Ryan Harris, he'd do a very good job. But you asked me the question from Kwasimi. In Mortuza, is it? You asked me his question, who would I pick? I gave mm-hmm. you the three I would pick. That's right. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Bowled Boyks. Keep sending in your questions, your suggestions. They could feature on our show uh, when we will be back with Jeffrey Boycott in two weeks from now, when the Ashes will be beginning. So see you then. Goodbye and good luck. You are listening to ESPN Crick Info.